You are Locked on Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Host of Locked On Rays on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. You can find Locked On Rays on Himalaya, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast, Locked On Rays. All right, Ulysses, we'll continue our 2019 player review series. Before we get to that, though, we do have to give a quick congratulations to Kevin Kiermeyer, who won his third gold. Yes. I would say it's well-deserved. No disrespect to Jackie Bradley Jr. and Mike Trout. Quite frankly, we haven't watched as much as of those guys as we watch of Kevin Kiermeyer. But it's hard to believe anybody was more outstanding in center field or in the outfield, quite frankly, than Kevin Kiermeyer. And the metrics back it up, too. Yeah, the numbers the numbers say that that's exactly who should have won. It's Kevin Kiermeyer. And I really liked his comments after uh, earning his third gold glove, saying uh, how he just feels like that's his award to lose. And I think, mm-hmm. and I think he's correct in that. There's nobody in center field better with a glove, better with how he gets to the ball, in a straight line, makes outstanding plays and can really just change the game single-handedly with his glove, with his arm. It's all there. And it was on full display in that relay throw between him and Willie Adamas to the catcher. But he's been doing that all season long. Not necessarily the relays, but the dives and getting balls to that normally would be gappers, doubles, triples, and he saves a run, saves an out, and has just been huge this entire season and really his entire career as far as a defensive perspective goes. And yeah, you mentioned his comments. He is not one to be uh, – he, he's, he's pretty confident in himself. I'll put it I that know. way. The, uh, <laughs> one of the quotes, he says, if we're talking about a defensive award, I don't think you can give this to anyone else after what I did this year. I just truly believe I can control a game out there better than anyone in baseball. Well, at least defensively he can for sure. And um, again, you're talking about a guy that's 29 years old and he keeps himself in great shape, tip top, uh, tip top ready. And what he does in the off season with university of Tampa baseball team. I think he's a guy that projects at least for within the next five years to continue to be an elite defensive player. In fact, uh, and not only that, yeah. not only that though, but haven't you always pictured KK being that guy that just one day just wakes up and can handle the bat and can become a 2020 threat? Like why, why can't he become a 2020 threat? I know it's difficult because he's never, first of all, reached the 20 mm-hmm. home run plateau, but he, he did set a career high this year with that, you know, with the help of that little baseball right. that they had, that they had in the 2019 season. But why not? If the, if they don't, if MLB doesn't do anything with that ball, people are going to keep hitting home runs. Why not KK? And what he showed this season, at least in the first half of the season, he was huge with runners in scoring position, yes. and being clutch, and um, he just he's got to he's got to stop the slumps. That, that's really the biggest thing. Because how many times are it's like, well, we know that 
KK striking out here and it's another 0 for 4 day or whatever it is and just being more consistent offensively would be a nice thing to see and and just getting on the 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 bag more getting back on first base and see if he can wreak havoc on the bases for sure. Um, one of our uh, listeners, Ty McCann checks in on KK winning the gold glove. He says, uh, gents, I'm wondering at what point is KK going to literally use a gold glove in the field? Congratulations. Well-deserved every year he makes race history. That would be really funny to see if there's a guy that would do it, that would have like a replica gold glove out there. It all right. Would be Kevin Kiermeyer or like he has the arm sleeve. That's all gold. Hey, it might be something to watch out for. The okay, laces, so, the laces, the gold laces. KK, over under six gold gloves for his career. Oh, man. He's 29 right now. If, if, he, if he had won his fourth this year, I'd say over. But this is only his third. And it's, he's already 29. It would be difficult. I'd say under, yeah. but I'm going to be nice and say five. Yeah, it's it's really a push. It's tough because every year there's new young guys that are yeah. 23 years old, well-stretched out, and, and can go the full bore in the full season. And that's going to be the biggest thing for KK going forward. As he gets into his early, mid-30s, can he stay healthy for a full season? And, and how effective will he be patrolling the outfield as he gets older in age? All right, so that is uh, enough of the KK love for today. <laughs> uh, we will be breaking him down at some point later on within the next uh, couple of weeks. But uh, today we're going to be discussing Diego Castillo and Yanni Chirinos. And I'll go ahead and start with Castillo. Um, for the year, he had a 3-4-1 ERA, 1-2-3-8 whip, 78 strikeouts in eight saves in 68 and two-thirds. He had a 131 ERA plus in a 3-7-2 fifth. Now his numbers on the whole were a little bit worse, slightly worse than his rookie year last year, although he did have a better strikeout rate this year. And he's had an interesting season this year because he had that DL stint in July. He had that really bad month of June where he had Mm -hmm. like a 14 ERA. And a lot of that was really two bad outings against the Oakland Athletics where they just tattooed him with home runs and whatnot on the road. But towards the end of the season, the last six, eight weeks of the year – he really was dynamite and huge, and he continued that into the postseason. In fact, he didn't give up an earned run in the postseason. And one of the biggest highlights uh, of that was that everybody was talking about that went around Twitter circles and social media was the strikeout he got of Jose Altuve with the 99-mile-an-hour sinker that started at the middle of the plate, right. veered into Altuve's kneecaps, and he swings <sighs> and misses. Jose Altuve is a guy that doesn't really strike out that much at all, let alone what he did in the postseason. So for Diego Castillo to get when you out, make, <laughs> when you make an MVP look like that, though, like that's the kind yeah. of stuff that he has. No, I, I think his season was a roller coaster. That's for sure. I mean, he mm-hmm. just like Alvarado, he started on fire. Great, great April, great May. But then there's something happened. Uh, something happened. I know it was highlighted by those two outings against the Oakland Athletics. But still, he was getting hit around a little bit before that and after that. Then he goes on the DIL. And but September, wow, September. He mm-hmm. was the kind of guy that you thought he he has the skills to be for a whole season. Absolutely. And for months, where he fired September, September, he was just like that again. So 
in the playoffs, he would he went even <laughs> uh, crazier with the stuff um, in in the postseason. So uh, he was fantastic. It's just the consistency has to be a little bit uh, there. Mm-hmm. You can't have that one month where you've got a fourteen ERA or so. And of course, in September he came back with a one two three ERA, just two earned runs and fourteen inning pitch innings pitched or so. So he's a guy that I think going forward, working on that consistency factor and being able to harness his pitches a little bit more. And again, if he's around the strike zone, opposing hitters don't really have a chance with that with that two seam fastball and the off speed, the breaking ball that's working off of that. He he's lights out. His movement is incredible. On the pitches that shouldn't even move, they move. So. When you're able to command those kinds of pitches, and this is very much like Alvarado's pitches, like if you're able to command them in a way that they look hittable but they disappear at the uh, uh, as soon as they're next to the diamond, it's just it's going to be very dif- dif- difficult for for these guys to square it up. And if they do, it's just going to be dribblers and soft uh, bloopers, which. In the middle of of the 2019 campaign, he actually did say to reporters, "Look, look, the numbers are not great right now, but notice how they're hitting off me. Mm-hmm. It's soft hit balls that are going in for hits. Yeah, there's some runs being scored, but look how they're hitting on me. They're not squaring the ball up right now. So there's something to that. You'd rather have a guy, even though he's struggling." For the hitters to just not be squaring it up, then squaring that up, it up mm-hmm. and, and, and getting some home runs off them like Chapman did in Oakland. Like, like I always say, it's great to have a guy with elite level stuff. It has one of those like voodoo pitches that how do you even hit something like this that, that looks like a wiffle ball pretty much as opposed yeah. to a guy that it's always great to have those command control guys like Ryan Yarbrough, but they also give you that sense of when's it going to unravel when's when's it going to start to be batting practice for the opposition whereas castillo if he can throw strikes it's like you mentioned very hard to square it up and i would fully expect him to have very similar numbers if not better next year yeah um if you look at these two seasons combined and and i think that that signifies another mid uh mid high leverage role a lot of seven seventh inning outings maybe some eighth innings uh do some opener work and and i think he's going to be another really valuable piece for the rays next season too i I don't foresee anything changing that really and i think one of the best things that he's been able to do is kind of differentiate himself uh unlike stanick stanick was Mm -hmm. a great opener guy but he could not be trusted with the ball in the middle inning seven eighth or ninth forget about it and which has been shown not only his tampa bay rays career but in the Miami Marlins organization as well he just hasn't done that well in those in those situations Castillo has Castillo mm-hmm. has opened well has been a good reliever in the seventh eighth and ninth uh inning that makes them incredibly valuable for what the Rays are trying to do with their pitching staff so I look for him to be even better more consistent I mean these guys are, are young as well you know there's a lot to, to be yeah so there's a lot to be said about that, and one more year under their belt with the positive experience of September and the playoffs for him, mm-hmm. as well as hey, I went on the aisle. Oh, hey, I did my struggles. Like that all 
gets better. And I think his third year is just going to be even better than his previous two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think showing that he can pitch in the postseason when the moment is brightest is huge going forward for him yes. and the Rays. Okay, so Fangraphs had him as having a 1.0 war. Baseball Reference had him at 0.6. Split the difference. You got 0.8 or so there. Uh, grade for Diego Castillo. I put him right in the middle, 85. Solid 85 I, for him. Yeah, I agree. I give him a solid B, too. Again, um, as great as he was late in the season, we can't forget about that one bad month. And he was shaky at other times, of course, and then uh, going on the IL as well. But just he was he was really a key part of when everybody was talking about the Rays as having the best bullpen in baseball. And yeah. after Nicky Anderson was acquired, it, that's like when Diego Castillo really started to turn it on. It was makes like, wow, him better. Really starting to do something. Exactly. It makes exactly. him better. Yes. All right. Coming up next, we'll review Yanni Trinos. All right, guys, we got to do it. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Of course you do. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready to go whenever an opportunity arises. Now let's remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a little bit of that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom, if you know what I mean. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. We like that. So no in-person's doctor's visits. We like that. No waiting in the pharmacy. We like that as well. And best of all, no more awkwardness. We like that too. They're made in the USA and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, Ulysses, we reviewed Diego Castillo, and now continuing our move in alphabetical order, it is now Yanni Chirinos' turn. I'll let you go ahead and take it away. All right, so uh, Yanni was the first guy to graduate from the school of bulk guy to traditional starter. Uh, he accumulated 2.3 wins above replacement in 2019, finished with 133 innings pitched to an ERA of 385 and an ERA plus of 115. Uh, I would say his highlight start came uh, against Boston at Fenway Park June mm-hmm. 7th, where he went eight innings. Uh, allowing only two hits, two walks, and no runs. Uh, that was the beginning of a seven-start run where he never went less than six innings pitched and never allowed more than three runs. I think this is a, a guy that, if again, this is going to be a, a theme when we talk about the rotation and, and these player reviews. What could mm-hmm. have been? What could have right. been if the health was there? Um, because he didn't miss almost two months, and when his injury set him out, it was kind of putting a nail in the coffin, so to speak, to the rotation. 
at the time with Blake Snell also being out. Uh, so when he came back, uh, he not only allowed a run each time out there, but he didn't look like himself. I, mm-hmm. He went six innings and two-thirds in three games, uh, allowing six runs, including four home runs. So the silver lining is, well, six runs and four, and four home runs. They were pro- probably solo shots, which of, of, there were a few of those. But still, he is the type of pitcher that when he looks right, that doesn't happen because his pitches are down in the zone. So it'll be great if he induces ground outs and not if he's leaving those pitches up and they Mm -hmm. go out of the park. Now, what can you say about Yanni? I think just like when we'll talk about Yarbrough, I think the Rays need to start looking at these guys as traditional starters. Uh, the numbers, the difference in numbers between him being a traditional starter and being a reliever, mm-hmm. they're night and day, almost uh, almost half a run in, in ERA differential. So if you look at it inning by inning, which again, this is small sample size, so we're just talking to talk here, but small right. sample size uh, aside, his worst inning is the third inning. So that tells you two things. Number one, if he starts if, uh, as a starter, that game, and the third inning is his worst, well, that's just in the middle. He, uh, maybe the second time around, the guys are hitting him, uh, see him better. Okay. But that also tells you that he's been used as a reliever after an opener. So maybe the third inning is the worst because he comes in at, in the third inning. Mm-hmm. And, and so he doesn't really like being as a uh, – being put in the game as a reliever in the third inning, and then he gets hit. So you're trying to avoid him being exposed uh, to, the, to the better part of the lineup three times, but mm-hmm. what you're doing is putting him in an uncomfortable situation, and he's going to get hit regardless. So I, I think this is the guy to, to kind of put him as a traditional starter, perhaps for 2020. Uh, I don't know if they will do that. Do you see that happening? I could. I I think it makes sense. Um, as a what number five starter? Yes. You've got Morton. You've got Glass now. You've got Blake Snell. Not necessarily in that order. And then Yarbrough would be number four, and then Torino's number five. I think that, and you can still work in openers for maybe a Yarbrough, and if Torino's maybe try it. A couple of times, if he's not comfortable, right. then let Torinos go out there and see if he can get through four or five or whatever it may be and go through there. Because, yeah, he's shown that he can be a traditional starter. And we really have to credit him for going from 89 pitches, 89 innings pitched the previous year to 133 this year. That's a pretty big jump. Yeah. And you could probably – uh, attribute some of those struggles after the all-star break because he wasn't great after the all-star break to just wearing down and, and not yes. really fully being built up and being forced into that role. And we know he, he had that finger injury and that's kind of maybe a little bit of a fluky injury, but just wearing down over time. Now, I mean, 133 innings, that was third on the team. How crazy is that? <laughs> it's crazy, and and I love that you put, pointed that out about his pre and post All Star uh, numbers because they are night and day. Look at his ERA: mm-hmm. three fifteen pre All Star game, and then post All Star game is five ninety four. 
I know that post All Star game he only pitched thirty three innings of right. those one hundred thirty three. So again, small sample size, but it, it, you have to look at it uh, regardless. And, and so in a hundred innings pitched, he was doing fine. Three fifteen ERA. He he had great numbers. I, I'm I'm just surprised that you know that he, he probably just ran into be, a wall. Yeah, a yeah, maybe maybe that that you know the wall that runners get in marathons. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so maybe that's something that happens as well to 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 young guys that are collecting as many innings as he was. But I, I don't I don't see the the point in in building him up this way if the Rays don't see him as a traditional starter of the future. Right, and now of course some of that was a byproduct of injuries, but then again. They could have traded for somebody sooner rather than later. They could have done a lot of different things. But Yanni Chirinos showed that he stepped up and can handle that role. And he's got the three-pitch mix. Yep. The sinker, the split finger, the slider that he's able to use and command pretty much all of those pitches. If there's something that I am concerned about Yanni Chirinos, it is the home runs that he's given up. He gave up, what, I think 27 home runs this year? It's a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Now, I should mention, 19 of those home runs were with the bases empty. This could have been a completely different season, completely different numbers. If there's a runner on first, a runner on first and second, bases loaded. Now, some of that may be, hey, he's pitching a little bit differently, more aggressive with some of the things he's trying to do with nobody on base. But then again, maybe some of that is uh, – a little bit of luck of, oh, he gave up a home run when nobody was on the bases. So that is something that yeah, is, I, have, I think, uh, a major concern. I have 23 home runs allowed in 2019. That's a big number. I know that the ball from 2019 mm-hmm. is going to inflate everybody. I think even Verlander had mid-30s home runs allowed. So, I mean, everybody's going to allow home runs in 2019. But regardless, his stuff should We'll have to figure out how to decrease that number because if he's right, he's not. He shouldn't be allowing home runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he's keeping the ball low and everything like that. And the other thing that, again, a little bit of a byproduct of that, his fielding independent pitching was four point four or so. So right. it shows that maybe his peripheral numbers aren't as good as they are to be believed. So that's something to watch out for. But again, some of that is what happened after the all-star break too, where I think he just kind of ran out of gas a little bit because he was so dominant early on. And an increase, uh, his FIP, it was an increase uh, from, from last year, uh, almost a a run. So Mm -hmm. there are, you know, there are questions. Yeah, there are questions. I I wouldn't want to say troubling, you know, there are questions. I think that, that should, um, be looked at, but regardless, I think that his stuff plays out mm-hmm. and he, and can play out for six innings or more. I know the Rays are, are stingy on that, but if there's somebody again, if there's somebody that you have seen them kind of leave out there, is Yanni. Yeah, they've kind of let. I mean, again, I, I said that seven run stretch with six innings or more. He went eight innings. Um, how I know this is not 
Trivia mm-hmm. Friday, but how many <laughs> starters were left out for eight innings or more this this season? I know Yarbrough for that almost that, complete game. That's all I can remember, to be honest. Right? At the eight innings by Yanni and, and Fenway. So it, it was the young guys, really, that mm-hmm. they let you know run wild. So why wouldn't they see Yanni as a long, traditional starter? Yeah, I, I, if I had to guess, I think he's penciled in for that number five role. But also... <laughs> There's other guys too, and waiting in the wings, and Brendan McKay, and who yeah, knows that's number one. Well. So who knows? I mean, one or two of these back end starters could be a trade ship as well within the next yes. couple of weeks or within the next couple of months as well. You would hate to see the Rays lose a Ryan Yarbrough or a Yanni Trinos, but if it's for all right, we're, we're confident enough to put Brendan McKay in that role and get another big bat or something like that. It's the Rays' way. It's what they're going to do, but. They also have to remember and keep in mind, think about how many injuries there were to starting pitchers and pitchers and everybody last season. And you're talking about a Charlie Morton who's not a spring chicken. I, I, I don't want to say he's injury prone or anything like that. I mean, this is really his first year in a long time. He didn't have to go on the disabled list. But right. are we really going to trust him to pitch 170, 180 innings without well, a blip you on the radar? You definitely get more value uh, out of trading a guy like uh, Yanni, Trinos, uh, and Ryan Yarbrough. But then again, who are you left in the reserves? Jose de Leon, Anthony Banda, I mean, Brent, Brent Honeywell. Then those three guys have been hurt recently, so you haven't really mm-hmm. seen them. Or, or the other thing is, well, why don't you just trade de Leon and Banda and, and Honeywell? And then again, they've been hurt. So what right. kind of trade value are they going to have? So it's a very intricate situation yeah. right now with the with what the the Rays are trying to do and Yanni is definitely one of those chips yeah and he's one of those it's very easy to say hey let's just trade all of our injured players to another team other teams are smart too okay Maybe yeah not they're not gonna really <laughs> as analytically minded as the Rays but they can see a bad deal when they see one let's put all it right. like that so yeah okay uh grade for Yanni Torinos this season I, I again, I have to just put him in smack down like Castillo and give him an eighty-five. I think yep. he provided a lot of value. Um, that two-point-three WAR is very valuable, but the injury concerns and him running out of steam after the, the All-Star game might, might have been because of the middle finger inflammation. Who knows? But I think a solid eighty-five is exactly the type of value that he provided. Well, us teachers are thinking along the same lines. I also gave him a okay. solid B. As well, so definitely a, a very, I think, solid year is really the the definition for what Yanni Trinos did this season. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Locked On Rays. You can also email us at lockedonrays at gmail.com. Again, I'm Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast, Locked on Rays.